0: This is Linux Reality Special Episode 1, Slackware. Hey everybody, Chess Griffin here, and welcome to Linux Reality. This is a special episode all about Slackware by popular request. And uh, it should be interesting, I think um, uh, it'll be sort of a high-level sort of sort of, well, I mean, sort of technical too, I guess. I don't know. It'll be kind of all over the place, but it's going to be about Slackware, and I've kind of, I've given it a different number and calling it a special episode just because I feel like it's sort of outside the normal realm of of episodes. You know, it doesn't really follow along the sort of the track that I've got kind of got in my mind, so, uh, so I sort of view this as optional. You know, it's just for people who are interested in it who may want to learn a little bit about Slackware and just kind of hear some of my thoughts and the way I tend to do things, I'll you know, that's kind of what this is for. So uh, this is not going to be a sort of a normal episode. In other words, I'm not going to do a listener tips. I'm not going to do any feedback, and it's probably going to be a lot longer. Although we'll have to kind of wait and see. I'm, I'm undecided as to whether or not uh, to cover. Well, basically, there's two main things I'm going to cover, sort of the sort of the installation of Slackware and, and then uh, the configuration. So I may just go straight through and do it all in one big episode or depending on the clock, I may break it up at some point and, and kind of do two episodes. So anyway, um, I think it should be fun and it should be, uh, of, you know, interesting and kind of technical, but, uh, it'll be a good time. So why don't we just get right to it? Okay. Well, Slackware Linux probably doesn't need a whole lot of introduction. Uh, I'm sure you all have heard about it. It's very well known Linux distribution. They say it's the, it's the oldest surviving, uh, currently maintained uh, Linux distribution, its its uh, uh, maintainer is Patrick Volkerding. And uh, if you want to hear an interview with Patrick, he did an interview with the Linux Link Tech Show. Uh, maybe a month and a month and a half ago or so, something like that. And it's a fantastic interview. I highly recommend it. It's very interesting, and he really explains some of the philosophy and some of his thinking behind Slackware, as well as just hearing some of the, you know, some of his thought process on, on how particular packages and particular things are done. But, but Slackware Linux is uh, it's been around, you know, over ten years, I guess. And it's, you know, some people say it's it's a maybe maybe it's an advanced Linux distribution. I don't know, but I mean. I will say this, it is a distribution that, um, it it doesn't, it doesn't do a whole lot of things for you. In other words, you, you need to be able to do some things yourself. It's not like Ubuntu or SUSE or PC Linux OS or, you know, some of those other distributions where, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the stuff is customized and configured for you. Uh, Slackware is vanilla, and I think that's by design. I mean, it ships with unpatched, uh, software, unpatched kernels for the most part. Well, I mean, the kernels are always unpatched. The software, for the most part, there might be some minor patches for security reasons or something. But, but basically, and, and Patrick even, I think, used this word is that, you know, it's, it's supposed to be plain vanilla software. I think that's what he, that's the way he described it. Pure vanilla. <laughs> and I, I like that. I mean, personally, I really like that. It It is, you know, it's sort of like what you see is what you get. And I have found it to be very clean and very simple. And what I mean by simple is well I think there's two ways to to say something is simple when it comes to Linux. I mean on the one hand simple means everything is done for you and everything's configured and it's ready to go out of the box and you don't need to do anything you just start using it. That's one kind of simple. Another kind of simple though is simple in, in the sense that everything under the hood that is is sort of where it's supposed to be. Everything is 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 vanilla. Everything is Installed where the where the, where all the software developers want you to install the software. You know, there's no custom. I mean, generally, or very little customization or personalization from the from the distribution standpoint. It's a it's simple because it's everything is where it's supposed to be. That's that's kind of what I think Slackware users and and maybe Gen2 users and Arch Linux users. Some of these people who use these kind of distributions. That's what I think they sort of tend to mean something along those lines. So that's what I like about it. I mean, I like it because it's clean, it's very it's very straightforward. Everything is where it's supposed to be. Everything just seems to work. You know, in some distributions I go in and I go into the Etsy directory and I mean, I can't find anything. Stuff's all over the place and stuff is not where I'm normally used to finding it. And pieces are are cut, you know, files are cut up and and they're modularized and I'm just not used to that. So uh Slackware sort of the sort of the traditional way a Linux distribution has been has been set up. Uh, the other thing about Linux, I mean about Slackware is that it uses the BSD style init scripts. Uh, most distributions use the system five. Uh, and Debian and Ubuntu and, and SUSE and Fedora they all fall into this category, the system five that is. And uh they use uh slash etc slash init period D and basically there are scripts for each service and then you have symlinks into the different directories representing the different run levels. So um the run level that represents your main you know graphical login is going to have a bunch of symlinks you know sort of prioritized in order for for the services that you want to start and then more symlinks for the shutdown of those services when you're when you're shutting down the machine. And it's just a lot of symlinks and that's you know I mean that's fine that's um that's one way to do things. I the thing I like about the BSD style the Slackware style is that you have you don't use the uh, init period d file in etsy it's the etsy r c period d and in this uh, directory you have scripts for all the services just like in the other just like in the other format but then you have a script for each run level rather than separate directories with a bunch of symlinks. you just have a script, and the script then calls all the service scripts. And basically, each uh, run level script just checks to see whether a particular service script is set to be executable or not, and if it is, then it executes it and if it isn't, then it doesn't uh so it's very simple like so for say for example apache if you have apache installed you'll have slash etsy slash r c period d slash r c period h t t p d that's the uh apache script if you want apache to start on boot, you just simply make that script executable you know change mod c h m o d space plus x space and then the you know uh, rc dot httpd um, and that will make that apache script executable and then it will start and of course you can always manually start too just by doing slash etsy slash rc period d slash rc dot http start, stop, or restart. I think I got the, the T's and the P's right, but you know what I mean. And so it's a to me, it's just very simple. I mean, it just is very straightforward. Everything's there. There's no symlinks and stuff. It's just, you know, it's very clean. Other people just not used to it. I mean, it's not necessarily right or wrong, better or worse. It's just different. So that's, you know, that's another thing about Slackware that's somewhat unique. I know Arch Linux uses that style in its scripts as well, and I don't know if Gen 2 does or not, but Um, there's not many most people most distributions use the system 5 uh, style in its scripts Uh, so slackware itself you know you can obtain the CDs and the ISOs uh, from one of the mirrors there are CD images and then there are DVD images the DVD ISO can be downloaded you can also download the the CD ISOs now uh, Slackware version 11 comes on six CDs you don't need all six in fact um, you really only need the first two and let's see. Actually, let me take a look here. I've got my 11.0 uh, CD set here from the, sort of the official set. Let's see. Disc one is Slackware 11 installation and the Linux kernels. Uh, disc two is installation, um, some you know, more installation packages and the first half of the extra packages. Disc three is uh, the KDE internationalization packages. The rest of the extra packages and the testing packages, that's on disk three. Um, let's see here. Disk four is source code part one and 2.6.18 kernel packages. Disk five is the Slackware book, more source code. And disc six is more source code. So, really, just discs one and two is really all that you need. Now, I was just looking at the retail discs. Uh, you can go to store.slackware.com and buy the CDs, you know, the set or the DVD. And for those who would, who are interested in, in contributing to the project, I would consider, or I would suggest you consider doing a subscription where you just they charge you, you know, what, you know, every time a new release comes out and you get the CDs or the DVDs. There's two different kinds of subscriptions. Uh, and that's what I do. I also use a script um, written by um, a great Slackware user named uh, Eric Hamliers, and I'll mention him about some of his other things later on, but he's got a script that basically that I use, that I I mirror the um, uh, the, the Slackware tree, both the stable and the current tree, and then it also lets me build a DVD or CD ISOs whenever I want. So when Slackware 11 came out, I just built my own DVD, Because I knew I was having, you know, the CDs, the retail CDs, um, uh, coming to my door. So I just went ahead and burnt, I made my own DVD. So you can download the DVD images, you can get this script and download the, 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 the whole tree and build your own DVDs, or you can buy the DVDs or the CDs. Either way, um, you know, once you get the, once you get the CDs or the DVDs, what I would suggest is that you, before you start installing it, it's just Put it in your CD-ROM in your currently running Linux distribution, and just browse the CD or the DVD. Because uh, Patrick is so great about providing helpful text files that explain things and, and give you hints and tips, and this is how you do that. If you go into the root directory of the DVD, you'll see, you know, there's a file in there on the changes and hints from from 11.0 versus 10.2. There's a there's an installation. Um, test, text file. There's an upgrade text file. Slackware is really easy to upgrade between versions, by the way. I have got one box that's been upgraded from 10 to 10.1 to 10.2 to 11, and it's worked just fine. I know somebody who has upgraded his box from 8.1 all the way to 11, and it's worked fine. Um, so I know, I mean, I have run into issues with upgrading between versions on, on other distributions, and I'm sure I mean, the Slackware way of doing it isn't perfect, and I'm sure people run into problems with that too. But um, by and large, I think it works really well. Uh, so anyway, the point being is that there's a lot of great text files that you really need to look at. That's the thing with Slackware is that you you know you again you gotta you know you gotta read the text files. You gotta read read things and and you know try to do some you know figuring out on what what Patrick is suggesting because it's all pretty much there. I mean, there's a lot of help. You know, there's a lot of help in those text files. It's just that's the way it's done versus like you know graphical tools and that sort of thing. Uh, okay, so once um, you install or once you boot up the the installation CD or DVD, you'll be presented with a screen. And I'm actually going to go through an installation while I record this. I'm going to rec- I'm going to install Slackware on my laptop here. And it says, you know, welcome to Slackware version 11 and read through this first uh, page, this first screen here, because it talks about how you can, you can use the first CD or the DVD as a rescue CD. You basically just pass at the command prompt, you pass your kernel and where your root is, where your, you know, root directory is, no init RD, no initial RAM disk and read only. And it gives you an example right there on this first screen. And that's great it's i've used it before you know if i've updated my kernel and i forget to run lilo you know which updates the lilo.com file the lilo bootloader and you know rebooting gets me kernel panics i can use the um, slackware first disk as a rescue disk and boot into my it basically you're using the kernel on the cd um, or you're, you're using the cd to boot to your kernel on your installation when your bootloader doesn't work so that's that's really nifty now, you can also see here on this first page that it says, if you don't want to enter any parameters, you know, kernel parameters, you can hit enter to boot the default kernel or press F2 for a listing of more kernel choices. That's something that a lot of people miss here is pre- is that listing of other kernel choices. So if you press F2, um, that will uh, that will give you a page that, you know, explains more, kernel selection help, and then it will say press F3 for a complete list of kernel choices. So F3 lists all the different kernels, and uh, there's bare.i, which is the generic no SATA kernel. There's the SATA.i, which is the default kernel with SATA support. There are two uh, 2.6 kernels. There's huge26.s, which is uh, kernel 2.6.17.13. That is a that is a um, supported kernel that's in the extra uh, repository or the extra directory on this on the cd and then there's test26.s and that's kernel 2.6.18 that's not fully supported that's just in testing as they say so but it but it's available you know if you want that and then there's other kernels here here as well so the default kernel is 2.4.33 all right i'm gonna in uh, on my installation here is i'm gonna do the huge dot huge26.s that's the um that's the 2.6.17.13 kernel which is the supported 2.6 kernel for slackware 11 so it you know boots up and uh initializes everything you know pretty standard pretty standard stuff and uh once that's all done then it will pro- prompt you for your keyboard and if you're just using a regular us keyboard you can just press enter all right now the next screen tells you uh, what you need to do to start the uh, installation process. The First, you've got to partition your disk if you haven't partitioned already, and it will tell you here what you do is you log in as root, first of all, regardless of what you need to do. So first you do root, and then it will say, um, you know, if it tells you, you know, if you're upgrading, you might want to remove all packages, and it just tells you what to do, and then it says, to partition your hard drive, use uh, CF disk or F disk, and then to start the main installation, type setup. So I'm going to partition. I'm going to do CF Disk here. That's what I'm used to, and then it gives you, you know, typical CF Disk text-based partition tool. And you need to make sure that you set up both a swap and, of course, your primary, um, you know, root partition. Now you don't need to worry about the actual file system. You just need to make sure your swap is set to Linux swap under under type here, and that your your main partition or your your all your partitions if you're going to subdivide your main partition needs to just be Linux type, you know, the Linux file system type. And then when you're done with this partitioning, when you go back into the Slackware setup screens, there will be a point where you can select the actual file system, you know, ext3 or riser or whatever. So I think I've got my partitioning here all set up. So I'm going to go to write and then quit and then, and then just type setup. Once you're back at the root prompt, Type setup and that will start the Slackware setup utility. Now, this is a great little setup utility. The Slackware uh, installation uh, setup routine is fantastic. It's very, again, it's very simple. It's it's not, may not be pretty. It's not all these got pretty graphics, but it works very well. I mean, it's just solid and it's been used for years and it just, it works great. So, first thing you can do is select help if you need it. Uh, If you want to read the help file. There's a way you can change your keyboard mapping. That's the next option. The third option down is Add Swap. So I'm going to select that, and then your swap partition should be highlighted and already selected with a little X there. So I'll just press OK, and then we'll ask if you want to check for bad blocks. I'm just going to do No there. And then we'll um, activate the swap. And then after that, it will show you that it's adding the swap to your Etsy slash fstab file. And then after that, it gives you a new screen that lets you select your Linux installation partition. This is where you're going to want your, you know, your root partition. Uh, So you can select from whatever remaining partitions you have. uh, Or, you know, if you just made one other partition, then it should be here. It should be pretty straightforward. So I'm going to go ahead and select one here. And then you can select format if you want. And this is where you can select the file system. If you have selected format in the previous screen, to format your partition then it will give you the choice of file systems so i'm going to go with ext3 then okay and then that it will that will format there and so that'll just take a minute or two here so so you'll see that i mean this you know this again this slackware setup r- utility is really great it's very simple it's quick you know it's not complicated and it will work on almost any system okay now i'm let's say now i'm back here and it will if you have other partitions it will give you an option To add those other partitions to your slash etsy slash fstab, or when you're done, you can just you know tab down to where it says done adding partitions continuous setup. So I'm going to do that and it will show you how it's adding it to the fstab file. Uh, And then, um, oh, and and on this laptop, I've got Windows on here as well. And it will then it, it so it finds that and it says partitions of type FAT or NTFS have been found. Would you like to add them to FSTAB if you want? So I guess I'll put yes. And then you, then it will, um, let you select the partition, uh, pick the mount point, and, uh, then you select done. And that's it. Okay. Now it will say source media selection. This is where you can select the media from which to install Slackware Linux. And just, you know, leave it on install from a Slackware CD and click OK. And then, and then the next screen, click OK or press OK. For auto, it'll, you know, scan the CD-ROM. So the CD-ROM should spin back up again, and it will start scanning it. Okay, and now you have the package series selection. Slackware divides all of its packages into groups or categories, and it's just got the first letter or the first couple letters. And the letters have kind of mean something. I mean, for example, E has got all the Emacs stuff. Um, K has got all the kernel stuff. L has got all the libraries. N is networking. X is the X window system. So, you know, these letters here kind of mean something. Now, what I would suggest you do at this point, you'll see that everything is selected except the KDE International Language Support. So unless you need the International Language Support, I would leave everything selected other than that, and I would click OK. Basically, what you're doing is you're you're going you're gonna to let all the packages be potentially available for installation. Uh, and so it's not the actual screen where you're selecting the packages themselves. You're just saying, I want to enable these different sections to choose which packages I want to install. So click OK. Now the next screen, the prompting mode, this is where you can actually choose how you want to be prompted during the installation. Now I would recommend you do full. In other words, install everything and, and not prompt you. And then that way you, know, you can walk away for 20 minutes and come back. I think it's easier, at least until you're you're used to using Slackware, to do a full installation of everything, and then you can always remove packages later on that you don't want, like Apache, for example. Um, once you get used to it, you can, in this screen right here, you can use the expert prompting mode, where it will let you select individual packages from, from menus during the installation, or the menu mode, which which lets you choose groups of packages. That's kind of handy. I've done both of those from time to time, but in this case, I'm going to do full, and I would recommend that you do a full installation as well. And then the full installation will just go off, you know, for 15, 20 minutes all by itself without prompting you. It will just start installing everything. Now, while this is installing, let me take this opportunity to tell you about some Slackware resources uh, on the on the Internet. First of all, of course, is Slackware.com. And uh, Slackware.com is not just where you can get the Slackware, Slackware mirrors and get the disks. But it's also where you can get Patrick's change logs. So let me talk about those for a minute. Pat maintains two text change logs. There's one for the stable tree and there's one for the current tree. And you people who use Slackware you, you you know are in the habit of reading or checking Pat's change logs because you need to see what's going on with with Slackware. The stable change log tracks changes to the stable tree. The stable tree is the is the tree on the, in the Slackware mirrors for your current direct I mean for your current stable Slackware. In other words, version 11. So, for example, if Patrick had to issue a security update for something, it will appear in the stable changelog because it's a it's a security update for version 11. That's the stable version that's been released. The current tree and the current changelog are for the future development of Slackware you know, all the new stuff, the bleeding-edge stuff, the, you know, current. It's P- And some people use current. In other words, what people will do is they'll install version 11, and then they'll st- install all the new stuff that's in current. And uh, it's sort of the bleeding edge. They're running the bleeding edge. And people will say, you know, that they run Slackware current. And that's what they mean. They They mean they run the current development tree for Slackware. And it works pretty well. I mean, that's obviously going to be much more unstable i guess you could say at least as compared to the stable tree it's probably still a lot more stable than some other distributions but but it, it will have some gotchas from time to time and and things you know there may be some breakage from time to time but that's the whole point it's and it's sort of you know or beware if you're going to run current that's just par for the course it's kind of like running debian unstable debian sid that's more or less the equivalent of that Debian has the three trees, you know, stable, testing, and unstable. Slackware has two trees. But other than that, it's it's very similar. Um, so slackware.com is important because that's where Pat's changelogs are. Uh, another very important website is the Slackware forums at, at linuxquestions.org because those are the official forums for Slackware, and they're great forums. Great people hang out there. Some very experienced Slackware users hang out there. Including Eric Hamliers, who I mentioned a little while ago. Speaking of Eric, let me mention him in more detail now. He provides a lot of great stuff for Slackware. In fact, his website is hosted on the Slackware.com website. I think he just—he's been a longtime Slackware user, and I think Pat has just given him some space on the servers. I'm not quite sure, but um, but Eric's homepage is if you go to Slackware.com forward slash and then tilde. And then Alien, A-L-I-E-N, his handle is Alien Bob. That's his handle in the forums. And so if you go to slackware.com forward slash tilde alien, you'll get to Eric's homepage, and there's a lot of great stuff. He's got a wiki in there that's got some information. He's got some packages you can download, some Slack builds, and I'll talk about all that stuff in a little while. But, but um, Eric uh, has got – he's just a, a, an amazing contributor to the community. And there's a lot of others. I mean, Robbie Workman is another one, and Alan Hicks. And there's so many, so many really, really helpful people who post in the forums and who contribute things to the Slackware community. But the LQ forums is just fantastic. I mean, really nice people. It's been very helpful. For some reason, Slackware from time to time has a reputation for having, you know, arrogant users or something. And I just, I really think that's, that's a misconception. I've never come across that, honestly. Um, I just I don't see it and maybe it's in other places where I don't hang out but the LQ forums for Slackware are just very polite very helpful uh, very active you know and um, so it's a it's a fantastic resource it's definitely you know a top one or two uh, resource and let me see here let me look at my notes here I've got notes here because I've got so many things I wanted that I wanted to mention There are two books that you can uh, check out um, on the web. One is slackbook.org, and that book is actually, let's see, I have a copy. The Slack book is, the the actual guide I think is Slackware Linux Essentials, and it's an older book, originally it was an older book, that was recently updated for Slackware version 10.2. By a bunch of community members, um, and they—you uh, can buy the book. You can buy the actual printed, you know, softcover book at the Slackware store. And that's what I did. That's what I've got. But you can also go to slackbook.org and download it or read the HTML version. I think there might be a PDF version, uh, but that's an excellent resource. And another book is slackbasics.org, similar—a similar book to—I to, mean—to the other one. They—they they overlap a little bit but they also c- cover different things, so that's that's great. Uh, but slackbasics.org is another HTML and PDF uh, book that you can download and read, and both of those books are just fantastic. So those are four resources, slackware.com, LQforums, uh slackbook.org, and slackbasics.org. There are other resources for packages, and I'll talk about that when we get to packages in a little while. Let's see here while um my thing let's see my uh, installation is still going here so uh let me mention a couple other things here i had mentioned a, a, in the a few minutes ago that that slackware uses the bsd style init scripts in /etc/rc.d there's another file in that directory called rc.local and You'll find that file in other in other distributions as well. But rc.local is a file where you can put any local commands or things that you need to have executed. So if there's something that, that's not being executed when you first boot up your computer, you can, if you want, you can, of course, you can create your own script and put it in d and then modify your run level scripts to run it. But another, just maybe an easier way, is just to drop that command into rc.local. Here's a good example. On my laptop, um, it's a widescreen laptop. It's one of these 1280s by 800s. So it needs, there's a there's a video BIOS patch. It used to be called 855 resolution. I think it's now called 915 resolution or something. I don't know. It's like for the Intel chipset. But uh so it's a very simple little one-line command to patch the video BIOS each time I boot up the computer so I get the full widescreen. So that little command needs to run every single time the computer boots. That's a perfect little example of I could just drop the one little line into rc.local and it'll be executed every single time. Not a problem. The other thing, um, well, just I'm kind of bouncing around here just covering some basic topics here while this thing is still installing. Slackware does not boot into graphical mode, and uh, it just boots to the command prompt, which is something that I personally like. All my machines boot to the command prompt. I don't have any that boot into um, a login manager like GDM or KDM. Uh, I just, that's just, I don't know. I'm just used to that, so it doesn't bother me. But a lot of people like to have it boot into graphical mode, so I can I can certainly understand that. So what you would want to do is you'd want to edit slash Etsy slash init tab and uh you'll see a line that talks about the initial run levels. You'll see a listing of the run levels first, and then you'll see um what the default run levels are. Well, the default run level is three, and you'll want to change that line from three to four if you, in other words, you want to boot into run level four and that's graphical run level mode and then it will boot straight into your window manager or your login manager or you know or what have you. Let's see. And uh, another thing about Slackware is that it uses Lilo as the bootloader, uh, the Linux loader bootloader, which is sort of the older bootloader, and it works just fine. But a lot of people, most other distributions use Grub, and so I think most people are used to Grub. And there is a package, uh, a Slackware package for Grub in the extras directory on your Slackware disks. It also, in fact, replaces the Lilo config tool with grub config. And I'll talk about those config tools in a little bit as well. But, uh, if you don't like Lilo, uh, you can easily install grub and it will work. It works great. I've, uh, that's what I've done. I, I used grub as well. Uh, even though Lilo really is nice. The only thing I have with Lilo is that how you have to run, run the Lilo command. Whenever you update your Lilo.com file, I just tend to forget that. And, then, and that could be a, that could be a problem. Uh, but anyway, so that's just uh, a, a couple of basic things here, and uh, let's see. It looks like my installation is almost done here. See, that's pretty fast. I mean, it, it's installing like what three gigs of of, uh, of data, and it's done it. Uh, I don't know, in less than ten minutes. That's that's almost done here. That's that's pretty cool. Okay, once the installation is all done, you'll see some little screens come up about regenerating your font cache and all this kind of stuff. And uh, that will just, you know, take another minute or two. It's pretty, it's pretty straightforward. Then the next screen uh, lets you install the Linux kernel. Now the thing about Slackware is, you know, I booted from the 2.6, the huge 2.6 kernel, and you still need to install a kernel. And you can select a different kernel upon installation. So it's just important that you choose the right one that you want. Booting it doesn't necessarily mean that it's being installed. It's just that you booted from it. So first of all, we need to select where the kernels are, and so the CD-ROM should be highlighted, so just select that because obviously that's where you're going to install the kernel from. And then the next page lets you choose your kernel, and you'll see all those ones that we saw a little while ago, although some of them aren't there, like the test kernel is not there because it's not a supported kernel. That's what he means, I think Patrick means, when he says it's supported. And Oh, wait a minute. (laughs) I spoke too soon. Test is on there. Test 2.6. I just didn't scroll down far enough. So, yeah, it looks like all the kernels are there. But anyway, the point is you want to select the same kernel that you booted from, assuming that's the kernel you want. So I booted with the huge 2.6.s kernel. So I'm going to highlight that, and I'm going to press OK or press Enter. And that installs that kernel uh, actually onto the system. Okay, next screen is make a boot disk, a floppy boot disk. I don't shouldn't do this, but I select skip. I don't make a boot disk. Next page is the modem. I don't have a modem, so I just click OK. And the next page is about enabling hotplug UDEV. You basically want to answer yes here. If you're using a 2.4 kernel, it'll use hotplug. If you're using a 2.6 kernel, it'll be UDEV. But either way, you want to answer yes. Next page is installing LILO. I just use the simple uh, mode. You can do expert if you want. If you want to, there's a lot of commands or configuration options you need to pass along or something. But I just do simple uh, I do so configure LILO to use the frame buff buffer console. That's the next screen, 1024 by 768 by 256 colors. Next page is the optional LILO append kernel parameters line. I don't enter anything there, so I just click OK. And then the next page is lets you select the LILO destination, and there's three places. Uh, the root, your root partition, your root Linux partition. So in other words, let's say you installed Slackware at slash uh, dev slash hda5, well, it can it can install the bootloader at uh, dev hda5. In other words, at your root partition for your Linux installation. Another option is to install it onto a floppy disk. And the last option is to install it onto a master boot record. You know, obviously, if you're installing Slackware side-by-side with other distros and you've already got a bootloader configured, you're not going to want to select the master boot record. It'll just overwrite that. Uh, so you would probably want to select root, But then you're going to need to go into your bootloaders on your other distro and add an entry for Slackware. Or, again, use the master boot record and just then configure the Slackware LILO for your first distribution. Hopefully that makes sense. I think, you know, probably know which one to do at this point. I'm doing a a master boot record installation here. No, I'm going to do root. That's right. I've already got another bootloader, so I'm going to do root. And then the next page allows you to select your mouse. And so I'm going to do, uh, let's see, IMPS2 on this particular one. The next screen is the um, the virtual console mouse, if you want. You can select that to be loaded up. I usually select yes. Uh, would you like to configure your network? Let's see. At this time, I'm going to select no. And then the next screen, and if you selected yes, you could enter in the host name, your uh, your domain, Whether, you know, DHCP or static, you know, your DNS, I think it lets you put in your DNS information. It's pretty straightforward. So you could always answer yes to that. The next screen allows you to to confirm the startup services to run. One that's always selected that I always unselect is PCMCIA, even though this is a laptop. I don't, I'm not going to start that right now. I don't have any PCMCIA cards anyway. So, and I'm, uh, I think I'll leave the rest. So I select OK there. Select custom screen fonts. I do no to that. Hardware clock and mine is set to local time, or so I'm going to select no. If yours is set to UTC, then just of course press yes. Then I do my time, select my time zone, and then the next screen allows me to select my default window manager: KDE, XFCE, Fluxbox, Blackbox, Windowmaker, fbwm, or twm. And I'm going to select XFCE. And then it lets you, the next screen has you put create a root password. So I'm going to do that now. All right. And then, then it says setup is complete. You may exit setup and reboot your machine with Control-Alt-Delete. So I'm going to do exit. Now, before I do the reboot, I do just want to make a point here, and, and I'll walk, walk you through this. Um, if you install a 2.6 kernel with Slackware, it does not install the kernel modules it only installs the kernel it only installs the modules for the for the default 2.4.33 kernel so if you install a 2.6 kernel like the huge 2.6 which is what I did during this during this installation when i reboot there's not going i mean nothing's going to work because no modules will be there so just be aware if you reboot your computer and you have no mouse no keyboard nothing no network that's why and it's very easy so i'm going to show you how to do that right now And so you can just press Control Alt Delete to reboot your computer. Okay, and uh, let's see, during reboot, in fact, you'll probably see error messages fatal, could not open slash lib slash module slash 2.6.17.13. See, that's because, again, it couldn't, the modules have not been installed for this particular huge 2.6 kernel. So that's going to be the very first thing we need to do after we. Uh, log in. So at the login prompt, I'm going to enter in root because we only have one root, one user right now, root user. And uh, let's see. It says Linux 2.6.17.13. So it is running the correct kernel. And it also says you have mail. So I would definitely type in mail, and you'll see you have two emails. One is um, about registering with the Linux Counter Project, but the other one is from Patrick. So, type in number two. I think it's usually email number two, and it's an email from Pat about Slackware and just kind of tells you things and and tool explains some of the tools like package tool and some of the command line package tools like install package remove package upgrade package all that kind of stuff. He also mentions Slack Package, which is a program i'll mention I'll talk about in a few minutes. Um, and it just, you know, nice little welcome email. So I really encourage you to, to read that again. It just shows you that, you know, you really just kind of need to read the, the, you know, the stuff that, that Pat gives you because it is really helpful. Um, and you just, uh, let's say go through that and explains all, about all kinds of good stuff. And, um, okay. Then when you're done, you can just exit out of that email And now we need to mount the CD in order to install the packages. So I'm going to do mount slash dev uh, HDB slash mount slash, I mean, that's slash MNT slash CD-ROM. All right. So it mounted, so I go into CD slash uh, MNT slash CD-ROM. And I've actually got the DVD here, that the one that I had made. That's what I've got mounted, so it's got everything in here. Okay, so go into the extra directory. So if if you've got the CD ISOs, you're going to have to mount the CD that's got extras, which I think is going to be probably CD3. All right, so in extra, you'll see a bunch of uh, uh, folders there, and these are all extra packages. And look for Linux-2.6.17.13, dash and so cd into that directory, and do an ls, and you'll see there are four packages. The The Slackware packages all end with .tgz, so there are four files in here that end with .tgz, and I'll, I won't read out all the numbers, but it's the kernel generic 2.6.17.13 package, it's the kernel headers, the kernel modules, and the kernel source, all for the 2.6.17.13 the kernel generic is the kernel that was installed, so that's that's been installed. The headers, you're not going to want to install the 2.6 headers, and there's a file in here from Pat called kernel-headers.warning, and he explains why. So I'll just let you read that. The kernel modules is the package we need, though. So type in install package, and that's really I-N-S-T-A-L-L, that's install pkg, all one word, install package and then kernels-modules.tgz and that will that will install the kernel modules okay and once that's done what i would do is i would type package tool that's p-k-g-t-o-o-l this is the slackware main package tool um that's available uh that does a lot of different things it lets you uh, install packages. It lets you remove packages, r- r- uh, view the contents of packages, and run some of those Slackware installation scripts again. So we're going to go into remove, and uh, the first time you do it, it takes, it has to pause a minute to to sort of update the to update the database, and then you'll see a list of all the packages that are that are installed. So let's first. I just want to show you a couple things. Scroll down to Apache. Okay, and hit the space bar. So in other words, select Apache. We're going to remove Apache. Then press the letter K. And that's going to take you down into the K's, of course, and scroll down until you find kernel-modules 2.4.33 and select that. And you'll also probably see the kernel source for the 2.4.33. Go ahead and select that and you may or may not actually see the kernel-ide-2.4.33 installed as well sometimes it installs that also which is one of the 2.4 kernels if you see that go ahead and select that too and then click okay and so that's going to uninstall those packages and i just picked apache just as an example to show you that you know you can go in after the fact and uninstall some of the Services and some of the things that may be installed with the default full-blown install that you don't need and you can go through that list and really pare it down quite significantly and once you've done that a few times and once you get used to the to the way the packages are grouped in those different sections then you can go the next time you do one of the expert installations and it's much easier to to install a real bare bones um, you know real a real bare bones installation. Uh, So those things are being removed, and then once all of that is done, there's a couple other packages we'll go ahead and install in this extra directory while we're here, and then uh, we'll reboot, uh, because there are a few other things that are are really handy. Okay, once it's all done, you just press OK, and then you're back at the Package Tool Main Menu, and scroll down to Exit. Okay, and so we're, we're dropped back down into the kernel, so CD, up one level, if you're still in the Linux-2.6.17 directory, and so basically you want to be in the extras directory on your CD-ROM. Okay, do an ls again. Let's check out some of these other files that are here. First of all, let's go into check install. Okay, uh, do an install package and install the check install-you know, one point whatever dot tgz file. That will install Check install, which I'll talk about you know down the road when we talk about compiling software. And then go back up another level and let's go into um, Slack package. That's S-L-A-C-K-P-K-G and install that package. Slack package.tgz. I think that's gonna be it for now. You'll see there's K3B in here. There's there's the Grub package I mentioned. If you want to install Grub rather than Lilo, go into there and install Grub. And then, if you do that, make sure once it's installed and it's working, make sure you remo- you you know you remove Lilo. I would back up your lilo.conf file before you in- uninstall Lilo. That way, see the thing with Grub is uh, it's not going to install your kernel. It's not going to set up an entry for your kernel automatically. You'll need to go into a configuration tool to do that. Let me mention a couple configuration tools, including the Grub one here in, uh, before we reboot and use our new kernels. The first, um, there's a bunch of Slackware little nCurses-based configuration tools that are real handy. The first one is xwmconfig. Okay, just type that, xwmconfig, and this is a little nCurses tool to let you select your default window manager, both for your regular user and your your root user. I mean each user would have to run that command. So that's one handy little tool. Another one is netconfig that you can run as root and that lets you configure your network. So I'm going to do that now. Local host, local domain, and let's see, another one is Lilo config. If you're if you're using Lilo, then Lilo config is a little script that it's that simple expert, you know, where it lets you select how, you know, how you want to install LILO. The cool thing about the LILO config is that the grub package, if you install grub that's in the extras directory and you you remove LILO, then, of course, this LILO config script is gone, but there's another script called grub config, which is very similar, and you can go into grub config and configure grub. Now, like I said, I don't believe when you install Grub from the extras directory that it that it correctly, you know, sets up your menu.lst file for Grub. So you may need to do that yourself manually before rebooting. But I think I'm all set to go. I've got Slack package installed, which is a really handy tool that I'll talk about in a few minutes. And so with that, I'm going to go ahead and press uh, reboot. Oops, sorry about that. Hit the microphone and uh, go ahead and reboot the computer. Okay, so let's see. I'm my computer is rebooting now, and now I can see all the modules are loading. It's finding all kinds of the USB ports, and it's you know the network is being brought up, and it you know you can tell everything seems to be working now. Um, and uh, the first thing that probably should be done once we get back to the prompt, just for security purposes, before we you know continue on, is to create a, a normal user. Uh, so what we'll want to do is log in as root, then type the command add user, and then you then you just go through the prompts and you basically just enter in the login name of the new user and then for most of the stuff you just press enter, you know, like the defaults for different things until you get to the password screen or the password question and then you just enter in the password for the new user. And then what I would probably do is log out You know, do Control-D, log out as root, and then log back in as the new user that you just created. Uh, All right, so now let's see. Now we've got, um, you know, we've got the basic installation uh, ready to go. We're all installed. We've got our our 2.6 kernel going. We've got the module set up. We've installed a couple extra packages like the Slack package and check install. So now it's time to start configuring. Okay, so the first thing I would do before doing anything else is to update uh, the, the installation to get all the latest, you know, updates, security updates. So do an SU as a root, and then, I mean, SU, and then enter your root password, and do cd slash etsy slash slack package. And that's, again, that's S-L-A-C-K-P-K-G. And go in there, and you'll see a file in there called mirrors. So open that up with your favorite editor. So let's do Vim Mirrors and then scroll down into the Slackware 11 section and go into, you know, you'll see it organized by country and go into an area that's close to you and pick an HTTP or FTP server, a mirror that you think is close to you that's going to be fast. I would not select the Slackware mirror. I, in the U.S., I tend to use the, Utah Computer Science, this, uh, what is it? The uh, cs.utah.edu uh, mirror. So I'm gonna. What you need to do is just uncomment one line, only one line. That's it. Uh, the, the program won't, won't work if you only if you have more than one uncommented. So just uncomment one, ri- one line, save that, and then run. When you're back at the terminal, run slack package update. And what it will do is it will go out on the Internet, download sort of, you know, updated package lists, you know, do all that kind of stuff. It's kind of like, you know, apt-get update, basically. It's just downloading package information at this point. It doesn't doesn't take too long. And then it it will generate, you know, a, a package list, if you will. And what you'll want to do next is, when you get back to the command prompt, is type slack package upgrade patches. Patches is the directory in the stable tree where security updates and patches are put. So if you do slack package space upgrade space patches and you press enter it will sort of calculate and then it will give you an end curses a really nice little list of packages that are available uh, to upgrade based on the packages you have installed and so I'm just gonna press OK and I'm gonna let this thing carry on and download and, and upgrade all of these packages And it can, you know, take a little time, just kind of depending on how, you know, on how long it takes. While it's doing that, let me mention a couple other real quick little uh, post-installation configuration steps. First of all is configuring X. Now, if you have Slackware set up just to boot to the command prompt, which, uh, as I said, is the default way of doing it, then when you log in as your regular user, you can try just entering start X. StartX is the command to start the X server. And see if the default configuration file for the Xorg.conf, I mean, you know, the default Xorg.conf file is sufficient to get you an X server. And if it is, great. And if it isn't, then you'll need to run Xorg setup, uh, which is a sort of, you know, it'll, it's just a series of questions based, and it will ask you questions based on your hardware, and it will generate or create an Xorg.conf file for you. And you'll need to do that to to set up X. Now, even even with the default xorg.conf or even going through xorg setup, there's some tweaks you're going to have to make. Like, for example, the classic one is your scroll wheel, you know, scrolling up and down. That's almost never, I mean, that's never enabled by default in Slackware. It is in other distributions. But it's an easy fix. You go into the mouse section, and you'll see tons of how-tos on the Internet on how to do this. But you add an option called z-axis mapping, and you enter in four, space, five, in quotes, after Z-axis mapping, which is in quotes, after option, and that's in your mouse section. And, you know, again, like I said, you just, you know, there's lots of places to do that. You can go to the LQ forums for Slackware and search on that, and you'll find lots of posts explaining how to do it. But those are the kinds of things, that's an example of of things that, you know, Slackware just doesn't do. It's just not going to do that for you. You just need to do it yourself because I think the philosophy is Slackware doesn't want to assume. I mean, the default X setup doesn't include that. So if the default doesn't include it, Patrick's not going to include it. And I guess his thinking probably is, I don't know, I'm not going to speak for him, but my, my feeling is that he's, he's his thought process is, you know, that's the default setup, so I'm going to leave it as is. If you need it, you probably know that you need it, and you probably know how to do it. If you don't need it, why would I enable something and put it in there that's not needed by default or something along those lines? So it's just a different way of looking at it. And I think it's great. That's the way I kinda like it. I like having things set up default and just vanilla and having me go in and, and manually set things because that way the system really becomes like my own. I feel, you know, more I feel like I know my Slackware systems so much more than I do. The, any other distributions that I install, uh, you know, I've got Ubuntu set up on this, on this laptop and it's great. I mean, Ubuntu is great and I recommend it highly, um, for, to a lot of people, but I get in there and I start mucking around in the command line and start going around and it's like, I don't know where I am. I mean, that's places, I mean, things look very different to me and files are in different places and things are set up differently. So again, it's not better or worse. It's just different. So anyway, uh, X is the one thing that you'll need to set up yourself. Uh, Another thing that that would have to be set up is ALSA. I mean, ALSA is going to be installed, uh, but you'll need to configure your sound card. And so what you'll want to do as root in the terminal is do two things. First of all, type ALSA mixer, and that will give you a nice little, you know, text-based graphical representation of your sound card and all the different pieces of it, you know, like the like the master control, the line in, the line out, the headphones, the mic, all that stuff. And um, what you'll need to do for each one of those columns, for each one of those pieces or section of the sound card, is you'll need to unmute. For some reason, and I've run across this in lots of distributions, also sets up with everything muted by default. So the first thing you need to do is go into ALSA Mixer And for each column, use your arrow keys to go back and forth to each one and type M. And you'll see it will say mute or unmute. It sort of toggles the mute on and off. And then, of course, you can use your up and down arrows to adjust the volume levels. So do that all the way across, and then hit Escape to exit out, and then type ALSA CTL space store, and that will store those settings. So the next time you run, it will come back to the way you had it before. So those are two things that you'll need to sort of set up in advance before kind of continuing any further, at least with X and sort of your desktop environment stuff. Okay, I'm looking back here at my computer here, and I just finished with the uh, Slack package upgrade, and now it prompts me for, it says, this is Slack package still. It says, some packages had new configuration files installed. You have four choices. I can press K to keep the old files and consider the new files later. I can press O to overwrite all the old files with the new ones, but the old files will be backed up, will be stored with the suffix .orig, like for original, I guess. I can press R to remove all the new files, or P to prompt for those three selections for every single file. Since this is just kind of a test installation here, I'm not really too worried about it, and it's fresh and I haven't configured, I haven't made any manual changes to the configuration files. I'm going to press O to overwrite all the configuration files with the new ones. If you've been heavily modifying the configuration files, then you'll want to be really careful here. Like for example, let's say you um let's say you know you're running Apache and Apache has a configuration file, right? It's like you know slash Etsy slash Apache slash HTTP.conf, I think. Let's just say that's what it is. And let's say you've modified that configuration file, and then Apache is updated, and a new new package is pulled down with Slack package. Well, if you overwrite the old files with the new ones, then the new HTTP.conf file is going to overwrite your old one with your changes. So that's a case where you might want to you know, maybe overwrite the old files, but keep the new ones or or whatever so you just need to that's the kind of thing you need to be aware of just need to be careful of okay, so this slack package thing finished it's finished its run, so it's I'm all updated, all patched, and everything like that and uh you know really the next thing for me at least is to i'm going to log out of root now and go back to my main user and I'm going to try entering start x and uh see if see if I can't log in to xfce and uh, you know see what the see if the default xorg.com file works you know well enough at least and it looks like it does so I'm in xfce now I didn't even run xorg setup or anything it just uh, it just works for the most part Uh, well not just for the most part it works just fine (laughs) okay so I'm gonna quit out of xfce now uh, and go back to the terminal okay so just to reiterate some of the um, configuration tools Again, you can type xwmconfig to configure your window manager. To pick your window manager, you can enter netconfig to configure your network. LiloConfig or GrubConfig, depending on which one you have installed, will configure Lilo or Grub. Uh, And package tool, P-K-G-T-O-O-L, is the main package manager. Now let me talk a little bit about package management and packages and stuff. You know, there's a misconception that Slackware does not manage, does not have a package manager. It certainly does have a package manager. It's a package tool that manages packages. But what I think people mean is it doesn't have a package manager that automatically resolves all the dependencies. And that's true. It does not. And it never has, and it probably never will. There are third party tools that do that, like Slapt-get and swear, Um But those, you know, utilize third party repos, you know, repositories to try to build in some checking of, of all the dependencies. And I think the Slackware philosophy is that it just, you know, again, that's something that's subject to breakage. And it's not too terribly hard to figure out dependencies manually and just download them and install them manually. So that's just that's just the that's just the philosophy. And uh you know there's a lot of people that that aren't crazy about that. And I can understand that. You know, I mean I'm not going to say that having all the all the dependencies automatically resolved is always bad. I mean, it's not. It's nice. That's why I use Slackware and Arch Linux. Arch Linux has a nice package manager that resolves dependencies, and it is very handy, but it does break. I mean, in the all the years I've run Slackware, I've never had any major breakages, even in upgrading between versions. But Arch Linux, it seems like once every six months, four to six months, I'll do an upgrade, or... I mean, it doesn't even have to be big upgrades, but stuff breaks. And it's nothing that can't be fixed, and sometimes it's a five-minute fix, and sometimes it's a it's an all-weekend pulling-my-hair-out fix, but I'm always able to fix it. I've never had to just reinstall Arch Linux from scratch. But still, it's, a, you know, those things, those automatic package dependency checking does introduce a potential problem. So... Uh, Slackware does have package management, has excellent package management. Package tool is a great package manager. It's fast, it works really well, it does exactly what it's supposed to do and nothing else. It does not check for dependencies. So, um, where to go to get packages and how to check dependencies? Well, there's several third-party um, repositories out there that you can go to download packages, and these are binary packages. In other words, they're pre-compiled. One is linuxpackages.net. It's a great website where you can go and enter in search field and look up packages, and they will tell you the dependencies that are needed for any particular package if there are dependencies. And it will tell you if there are dependencies that, that come with Slackware or that are available on the linuxpackages.net website. You can also go to slacky.it. That's an Italian site. And even though it's in Italian, it's very easy to navigate. You can go into their download section and look for packages to download uh, for various versions of of Slackware Linux. I have used both of those sites, and they've worked very well. Another option for packages is to compile your own, and it's not that hard, really. Um, Compiling is a three-step process, and I actually did a Linux reality episode on this, but... The traditional three-step process is dot forward slash configure. Well, let me back up. Basically what you would do is you would download the source code tarball from the software website, from from the you know SourceForge or wherever it is. You download the tarball and you extract it, usually by entering tar space dash uh, zxvf and then the name of the tarball. And that will unpack the tarball, it will extract it into a directory. You would type CD, and you'd go into that directory. And then you would type .forward slash configure. And really what you ought to do is type .forward slash configure space dash dash help, because that will give you the various options that are available when you you run the configure stage, because there are things you can turn on and turn off in the configuration. You know, for example, you can build a package with SSL support or without SSL support. Or you can build a package with, um, you know, like if you're trying to build mPlayer, you can build it with DVD, you know, support or not or whatever. I don't know. It's been a while since I've built mPlayer, but you know what I mean. I mean, you can enable or disable options, and that's in the configure stage. Then the second stage is traditionally make. You just type make, and that actually does the compiling. And then the third step is usually make install, and that usually has to be run as root, and that's the package that actually takes all the binaries that were compiled and moves the binaries into the right places and moves the documentation, moves the man pages. It does all the installation, you know. Uh, that's the classic three-step process for compiling source code. And I'm telling you, on Slackware, it works 99.99% of the time. I have had problems compiling software on other distributions, and I've never had a problem compiling it on Slackware. It, it just, I mean, you know, it just seems to work you know the downside with compiling from source is that it makes it a little bit harder to uninstall if you need to uninstall or if you want to upgrade you know the the um the developer of the particular package is supposed to include an an uninstallation script and you would type make uninstall in that same tarball directory to then uninstall everything but unfortunately not every developer. Um, includes the the uninstallation script, so that doesn't always work. Of course, you can track down the stuff manually and just delete it, but that's a real pain. So uh, it, it would be better to have a Slackware package made for you, uh, you know, assuming you can't find a binary for yourself. So there's two things you can do here. The first is you can use check install. That's that package we installed from Extra, from the Extras directory. Check install is a, is a command that replaces make install. So in other words, you would still do dot .forward slash configure. You would still type make. And then in the third step, instead of typing make install, you would type check install, all one word. And you would go through the questions and tell it to make a Slackware package, and it will create a Slackware package for you. And then you can do install package, which is a Slackware command to install the package. And then that package will appear in the Package Tool uh, Package Manager. And when it's there, then you're home free because then that means you can easily remove it, you can upgrade it, you can do whatever you want to it versus just you know software that's compiled. And if you run make install, well, that stuff just kind of gets scattered throughout the system. But Package Tool doesn't know about that. I mean, Package Tool only knows about Slackware packages. And if you just install normally, then it's not going to know about it. So CheckInstall creates a package for you, and it's great. And I recommend using CheckInstall instead of MakeInstall on Slackware. That's probably, you know, the next best option, you know, um, in terms of managing your packages on Slackware. Another option for creating your packages is to use Slack builds. Now Slack builds are scripts that are used by Patrick creates Slack builds for all the packages that come with Slackware. If you go into the source directories, you'll see for all the different packages, you'll see the source code and you'll see a Slack build script. A Slack build is a script that takes the source code and and it it expands it. It moves it into a temporary directory. It does some some stuff to it. It creates a little wrapper, and then it compiles it, of course, and then it puts everything in one place Zips it all up into a nice little package and puts a wrapper script around it to move everything into its proper location when you install it. That's sort of the you know the the best way to to cr- try to create a Slackware package. But Slack packages are, or Slack build scripts are not easy to make. There's there's a there's a new website called Slackbuilds.org that's run by a bunch of volunteers, including some of those folks I mentioned a little while ago, like Robbie Workman and Eric Hamliers and um, Alan Hicks and some others, uh, that is attempting to create a community repository of Slack build scripts. And I've actually contributed some up there. I've got four up there right now, including Email FM2, that wonderful file manager I've always talked about. I've got a slap, Slack build up there. Actually, Email FM2 has recently been updated, so I've got to update my Slack build. But anyway, I've got one for Audacity, one for WXGTK, which Audacity needs. And for GraveMan, which is a GTK2 uh, CD uh, burning tool, but uh, basically you would download a tarball that that is made up of the Slack package and some other little smaller, you know, files that are needed with the Slack with the Slack build, I should say, not Slack package. And you would uh, run the Slack build script, and with the source code in the same directory, you download the source code, and it would create a Slackware package for you in the temp directory and then you just go in there and you install it and that's sort of like you know i think the best way to create a slackware package because that's really the slackware way i mean like i said pat uses slack builds for all of the actual software that comes with slackware and so you know it's a that's kind of i think the Slackbuilds.org site is is awesome and i think it's so cool what they're doing and that way you can just grab the Slack bills and build your own packages like, you know, like the way they were supposed to be built. That's kind of cool. All right. Gosh, I've been talking here for, God, what, an hour and 10 minutes? <laughs> oh, that's crazy. You're probably tired of listening to this by now. I'm trying to think if there was anything else. I'm looking at my list here, and maybe that was actually everything, believe it or not. It's unbelievable. So I think the, uh, you know, the, the, the gist of this is that uh, once you've got Slackware installed, you can run um, any of these configuration tools, XWM config, net config, lilo config, run package tool to manage your packages. Make sure you run Xorg setup to configure X if you need to. Do the Alsa mixer and Alsa CTL dot or space store for your Alsa settings. I would definitely install from the extras directory, I would install Slack package and I would Go into the Mirrors file and uncomment a mirror and run Slack Package Update and then Slack Package Upgrade Patches to upgrade your system or update your system. I would also install Check Install and then, like I said, possibly also Grub if you prefer Grub. And then to get packages, you can download binaries from linuxpackages.net or from slacky.it. Those are two sites that have good binaries. Or you can compile your own source code using uh, configure, make, and then either make install the traditional way or check install if you installed the check install package. That's a great way to create a package. Works, I'd say, 95% of the time. Works really well. Or if you can find a Slack build script for that particular software, either from slackbuilds.org or from third-party sites, like, again, Eric Hamlier's, his site, Slackware.com forward slash tilde alien. He has some of his own Slack builds that he's not, that he doesn't feel maybe are quite ready for prime time. But I mean, I've used several of his Slack builds and they're great. I mean, he really knows what he's doing. So I mean, his stuff compiles perfectly, uh, but he's got a lot on there, you know, and I was looking for TrueCrypt, crypt, for example, and I see he's got a true crypt Slack build. So that's totally cool. And you can just, Google around for Slack builds that other users have maintained. And the nice thing about the Slack builds is you can look at them. You can see the, the configure options that were selected and you can change them, of course, if you want before you compile, before you run the Slack build script and it will create your Slack, Slackware package and install it with install package. And then you can manage it with package tool. So all that stuff works really well. And, um, you know, It's just a lot of stuff there, I realize, but hopefully you, you know, found that helpful. And I think my voice is about to go. So I'm going to uh, wrap up this special episode right now. Okay, folks. Well, I hope you found that helpful, and I hope it uh, piques your interest to check out Slackware if you haven't uh, ever checked it out before, or if you have, that hopefully it helps you a little bit. I mean, you know, people who've been using Slackware probably know everything I said. It's probably nothing new there, but um, I really love Slackware. I mean, it's it probably is. I mean, it's it's my favorite distribution. It's just fantastic. It has taught me more about Linux and I just, I really like the way it's it's done. I like the way it works. It just works really well for me. It's not for everybody. I realize that. Uh, and that's why we have choice. That's what's so great about Linux. We have Ubuntu and SUSE and Fedora and PC Linux OS and Debian and Arch Linux. And, you know, we got so many great distributions out there that there's something there for everybody. But I encourage you to check out Slackware if you haven't. Uh, and if you do really like it, I do encourage you to you know, buy the CDs or sign up for the subscription or something like that to show your support. Anyway, uh, I hope you all are having a good December. I am as well. Things are busy for me, but I'm plugging away and I'm really looking forward to coming back in January. Got a lot of good things and really looking forward to it. I've got some good topics. I think it'll be a lot of fun. So I may get one more special episode out, no promises, but I'll try, but I really look forward to hearing from you guys. And, um, Thanks for sending me the emails over the last couple of weeks. I've got some really great, very nice, supportive emails and and very thankful emails. And thank you so much for making the donations to the 2006 projects, you know, the open source projects that are out there. I was going to talk about that in another episode, so I'll just save that. But I really appreciate that, guys. You guys just rock. I mean, you're just an awesome audience. And that's why I can't wait to come back in January. But until then, I think I'm going to have to say goodbye. I'll catch you all later. Take care. Bye-bye.